All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first expert talk of 2021. I am here with Keith Rosen, the CEO of Profit Builders, named one of the best leadership coaching organizations worldwide. Since 1989, Keith has coached over 3 million managers and salespeople on six continents in over 75 countries. He's the author of Own Your Day, Coaching Salespeople into Sales Champions, the number one best-selling sales management coaching book on Amazon, and Sales Leadership, which was named Amazon's 2018 Sales Leadership Book of the Year. He was also named one of the most influential coaches by Inc. Magazine and Fast Company. Keith, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Welcome. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. So let's start with my first question, Keith. Sure. Companies are still scrambling to reinvent themselves, how they manage people and sell in our remote world of today. With all the uncertainty and change, sales leaders are extremely busy, which can sometimes mean that coaching gets not the attention and prioritization on a leader's to-do list of their day-to-day -day business. So how can sales leaders actually manage their time more effectively to ensure that they make most out of their time for what they refer to coaching key. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, let's first start off with, uh, that is the wrong question that managers and leaders ask me all the time. They, they start off uh, coming to me and they say, Keith, we want to build a coaching culture, or mm -hmm. we have some managers coaching, but not all of our managers coaching. And the biggest challenge here is that with all the pressure that we're feeling today uh, in this new remote uh, landscape, um, we want our people to coach 50% of the time. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I hear that, I know they have no idea what coaching is. Yeah. Because the next thing I ask them is, you want your people to coach 50% of the time. I'm curious, what's your definition of coaching? Uh, we don't know, but we want to build a coaching culture and we want our people to coach, but we have no universal definition of coaching that everyone in the organization is aligned with. Mm -hmm. So let's start off with this, number one. Here's a very simple definition of coaching. It's the art of creating new possibilities. Actually, the definition of selling is the art of creating new possibilities. In every conversation, whether you're a salesperson or whether you're a manager, you're either creating new possibilities through the art of effective questioning or you're simply driving your own agenda. So going back to my point, when managers say they want their people to coach 50% of the time, they don't get coaching. And what they don't get is very simple. Coaching is not an event. It's mm -hmm. not something you do to someone. It's not when you go to someone and say, hey, I'm going to put my coaching hat on right now and coach you. No, coaching is simply the language of leadership. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what your native tongue is. You're learning a new language as a leader. And the language of leadership is coaching. So if you're upgrading the way you communicate, then really you're always coaching. Every conversation is a coaching conversation. Every conversation you are leading with answers or you're leading with questions to empower people to self-reflect and come up with the solutions on their own. And there's a lot of talk out there how important it is to be a critical thinker. There's one problem though. Mm 
you can't become a critical thinker unless you first become a critical questioner. Mm-hmm. Okay, because the, the answer you get is only as good as the question you ask. I love that. And especially with the being yourself the critical thinker, I think that's one of the most important things for every team to foster the nature of coming up with your own ideas and your own way of thinking. So you create your opinions and not being told that's the solution. How should you ever come up with your own ideas if you always get solutions presented? And on on that note, I I have managers that say, well, wait a second, Keith, here's the thing. I'm struggling with coaching. I'm struggling with how do I come up with the answers that are going to guide the person to where I want them to be? Mm -hmm. Once I hear that, they have no idea what coaching is. That's called manipulation. And then we wonder why people don't want to be coached in our organization. And managers come to me and say, Keith, we're going through your training program and now we've seen the light and we understand what coaching is. Here's the problem. Do we have to call it coaching? Once I hear that, I know where they're coming from. They've already tarnished the sanctity of coaching in their organization. So jokingly, I say, okay, great. Let's call it dancing. Okay, why don't we just do with that? It's not, it's coaching. What organizations need to do today is upgrade the definition of what coaching is so that it's aligned with everyone in that organization. Absolutely. So it's really avoid being the problem solver for your team. So- Oh, yes. Do you have any tips and tricks? I mean, we touched on them already with questioning and listening, but on top of that, and the mindset change and cultural change, what are some important things we can do in order to avoid being the problem solver or even turning into, let's call it the chief problem solver of the company? Something I write about over the last 20 years, the eternal CPS. Every manager needs to resign from being the chief problem solver. And and you know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to you right now. I see you. You're watching this. That's right. Don't turn your head and go out the room. Every manager is a chief problem solver. But I'm not blaming you. It's a cultural and a global epidemic in every organization today because every organization today has a target on their back. Salespeople, you have a target on your back. Managers, you have quota and commitments on your back. How? can we then not become so result driven? And the problem is you don't coach the result. You coach the process, which produces the result as a natural byproduct. But, and managers, they know they have to coach. And, and, and you know, from a place of understanding versus getting, they understand the power of asking questions and the power of having people self uh, generate solutions on their own. But when it's the 12th hour and we're all been so impacted by this pandemic and companies are still struggling, trying to reinvent themselves. And 42% of companies didn't even allow remote work before this pandemic. The challenge is managers go to the default. Most managers have grown up from a sales position. They're used to giving answers. Now they're in a sales position and they look around and say, uh, is anyone going to train me on how to be a sales leader? Because all I know how to do is be a great salesperson. So I guess I'll just be that super salesperson. When everyone comes to me with a question, I'll give them the answer because that's what I know. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, 
there's a there's a massive paradox here. Um, leaders and organizations create the very problems they want to avoid. So this is really the inner game of coaching and leadership, which is managers think they have to give the answer because that's why they were hired. They feel that's what their people expect. They feel that's their value. If we break it down, it's an ego play, okay? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, when managers are going around looking for problems like heat-seeking missiles and their people are coming to them and saying, boss, what do I need to do when the manager doles out their infinite wisdom as a coach and as a salesperson? What does the salesperson say? Oh, Mr. Manager, Mrs. Manager, you're so amazing. I don't know how I could do my job without you. And we feel the love. But the pain is this. You see, I have yet to meet any manager who doesn't want a team of highly accountable, self-motivated, independent people. But being the chief problem solver creates the very thing you want to avoid. And here's why. Every time you offer a solution to one of your direct reports, what message are you sending? How are you conditioning them? You've conditioned them that every single time I have a problem, I get to go to my manager and they're going to fix it. Creating the very dependency we want to avoid. And here's the real irony and cost. When you give a solution and that person goes out and executes on it and it doesn't work, guess whose fault it is? Hey, manager, my hands are clean on this. It's not my fault. You told me what to do. Well, congratulations. We've now successfully robbed our people of the very accountability we desperately try to instill in our people. Absolutely. So Keith, you touched also on this one point. The super salesperson, the superstar on the sales world, now gets promoted to be the leader, sales leader. So we do have a saying in, in German. How would you translate that into the English that if you're the best salesperson on the world, you can't doesn't mean automatically you are a great leader. So what's something that comes to your mind we can give to the audience to tell them, hey, if you do this one thing, you will be able to be a great leader. The one thing you're putting me on the spot. I love it, Britta. I'm going to share with everyone the one thing right now that you can do to take a shift. And Britta, let's really drive this home. I want to make sure everyone heard the question you just asked me. Can you just repeat that last part of the question? How can a sales leader become a great leader by doing or following one of your most favorite? Thank leaders? you. Thank did everyone hear the question? Now I'm gonna I'm going to absolve it. I am gonna eradicate this global conundrum of taking your top salesperson and promoting them into a management position. Here's the secret: teach your salespeople how to become world-class coaches. That's the evolution of sales training. Sales training is dead. There's no reason, there's no fancy closes or magic bullet or super phrase that's gonna automatically inspire customers to want to buy from you. The greatest salespeople are now coaching their customers to succeed. They're leading with questions and not answers. They're being detached from the outcome and not making it about them, but making it about the value that they can deliver. They're challenging their customers at a deeper level with questions such as, well, Mr. or Mrs. Prospect, what would make you a great customer? Mm -hmm. That's what the greatest salespeople and sales leaders are doing. And when you now shift to, 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 to upgrading your salespeople skills to truly learn how to coach, man, what have you just done? Now they get promoted to a management position. 
they already have the skills, acumen, and mindset of what it means to be a true sales leader. And by doing so, you have now built the future bench of leaders for your organization. Mm-hmm. That simple. Well, well, I shouldn't say it's that simple. I'll make <laughs> it simple for you. But this also implies building trust and setting the right intentions with the team, being a coach, also setting the intentions with the customers. Why is that so essential? Well, in, in terms of building the relationships with the customers, I, I write a lot about the art of enrollment in my books. And it, it's really a simple concept. Um, um, when your intentions aren't clear, people default to fear. And this can be uh, peers, it could be your direct reports, it could be your, your boss, it could be your customers, uh, it could be um, your coworkers in other departments. Um, the, the lack of setting expectations is exactly the cause of breakdowns in trust, communication breakdowns, and, and quite frankly, departmental silos. Because mm-hmm. everyone in their, any organization, such as, hey, we're in marketing and marketing has to play nice with sales and sales needs to play nice with sales engineering. Well, everyone has their own agenda, KPIs and commitments. And often we are not being mindful that everyone is truly going through something. So if I don't take the time to set intentions and positive intentions, because especially today, um, where before years ago, show my age, when my manager would tell me what to do, first job out of college, I would do it. I wouldn't ask questions. Today, people want to know why. Okay, manager, Mr. Manager, Mrs. Manager, I get it. I got to do this. But why? Why is it important? What's in it for me? How am I making an impact? That's enrollment. See, it's not here's what you need to do and go do it. It's here's what we need to do. Here's why we're doing it. And here's what's in it for you. Are you open to exploring this conversation? What I want for you is to achieve the success you want in your career. I've learned how I can be a better coach and leader for you. I'd love to talk to you about what coaching means to me and how we can set up a proper expectation and relationship so that I can be the best coach for you so you can hit your goals. Would you be open to exploring that conversation with me? That's a perfect example of a manager needing to have that essential conversation with every direct report, heck, anyone they're managing, because if they are experiencing resistance to other people and they're saying, gee, that person's just telling me what I think, what they think I want to hear, that's because there's no trust. And chances are it's because you never set the intentions of coaching. Mm-hmm. So again, um, enrollment is key, especially today when there is so much um, accelerated change in our market with, with, with trying to build a remote team. Companies struggle with coaching before this. Now building a remote sales team, they, they don't even know what to do. There's no playbook out there because, I mean, I wrote that, but that's the reason why managers are struggling. And because of that, they're also defaulting to fear. Yeah. So you just opened it up with our new environment, the virtual world. Mm. And we know that many teams are facing challenges like the managers, the salespeople, especially in the area of selling in the remote world and coaching, building the successful remote team will be one of the winning keys for the next couple of months, even years taking it from now. How can we guide them to overcome those challenges? What are some guidances from your side here? 
I, th I think it fr from from an overarching view, mm -hmm. uh, if you're still managing and selling the way you did last year, you're already setting yourself up for failure. Okay, uh, there's a reason why. What was it? Seventy eight percent of all salespeople miss quota in in uh, in 2020. Uh, there's a reason why uh, there's 82% now from 72%, uh, 82% now disengagement in the workforce. Uh, th these, are the, these are the things that's being exasperated by working remotely. And what I'm, what I'm really driving to is whether you're a salesperson or you're a manager, you need to change the types of conversations you're having with your customers and, and with, your, with your direct reports. If you're a salesperson, um, and you're thinking, okay, I have to connect with my customers. So I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll weave in this really good question in my, in my, in my discovery process or in my warm up, which is so Mr. And Mrs. Customer, you know, how are you handling the pandemic? That's one question, tip of the iceberg. There is an opportunity to go much deeper. And what I'm about to share with you impacts, whether you're a salesperson or a manager, how do you connect with people on a one-dimensional screen? There's one advantage we all have today. You see, right now I've invited you into my home. This is my home office, okay? I, I hope you appreciate it. It's As wonderful. you can see, two things that bring everyone together, music and sports globally, right? So when I'm a manager, and I'm having a one-on-one -on -one with one of my direct reports and I'm visually seeing where they're working, whether it's in their bedroom, closet and kitchen, maybe they do have a home office if they're fortunate, okay? Um, mm -hmm. And there's, there's the manager, you know, I'm, I'm the manager and, and Britta, you're, you're my direct report and, and, and of course I'm making this up and I'm, I'm looking at you and you're in your home and I'm hearing the dogs bark I'm seeing the kids running around. I'm seeing, you know, significant other spouse, you know, cooking, cooking dinner in the background. Um, I see you're exhausted. You're tired. Um, not that you wouldn't, but wearing the same clothes for the last week, you know, chaos everywhere. Now, here I am. I'm your manager. I am in your life more than ever before. I have an unfiltered level of exposure into who you are. These are the conversations we need to change. And number one, managers don't even know how to do it. And number two, a lot of managers are concerned with having these deeper conversations because we've all been so conditioned through HR, you know, and being compliant that, oh, no, 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 you can't talk about that with your direct reports. Oh, no, no, that's, that's an HR conversation. Oh, no, that's too personal. Throw all that out. <laughs> Those rules don't apply anymore, okay? If I am, if I'm a manager, here's what I would be doing. And, and these are things that you could find on my website. I'd be having a critical conversation with each one of my direct reports. And some of the questions would sound like this. And of course I would tee it up with enrollment. Here we go. Setting expectations, Mr. or Mrs. Uh, uh, direct report. Uh, what I want for you is to thrive in this new remote environment. I know I've been struggling with it and uh, I'm sure you've been struggling it as well. What I would love to do is have a conversation with you and, and see number one, how I can best support you and be the best leader I can given how we're working remotely. And number two, I'd love to get some ideas from you as well on what's working for you. Are you open to the conversation? Of course, they're gonna say yes because they know your intentions. 
If you just start firing questions at them, such as, so how's performance going? How are you managing your day? Um, what, what are you doing to uh, balance your day and prospect? They're going to think, am I in trouble? Am I being put on a pip? Am I being written up? Because the manager never said intention. Now you said intention. Now the person knows what's in it for them and why you were in, in, uh, initiating this conversation. Now the question can sound like this. So what have you been struggling with most um, through this, this transition? What's been working well? How are you turning off you know, at the end of the day? How are you setting boundaries at home with the people you live with, your family, significant others? How are you practicing extreme self-care? How are you setting boundaries at home so that your family or who you live with know that when you're in this area or doing this, that's the time when you're working and you need that boundary set. Mm -hmm. Have you taken the time, and this is the most important thing I would share with everyone, to create a routine. If you do not have a routine, which is from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep, which details every specific activity that moves you closer to your goals while keeping your life in balance and harmony, it doesn't matter what, how good a coach or a salesperson you are. There's no more line between life and, and career. You're in my home, there's just life. So these are the opportunities to connect with people on a much deeper, more authentic way. And that is what's going to drive engagement. That is what's going to drive sales. So that means besides the shift in mindset, what we have to bring in when we move from being a salesperson to a leader in order to be able to coach. We also have now the transformation for being more authentic, bringing empathy to the virtual table, if we call it like that, and being personal engaging. So values which have been maybe sometimes put behind us and not that highly emphasized anymore of being personal are, much, are being much, much more important again. And I think that's really, really important to share this also, that being yourself will create also this engagement and enrollment and build the trust. Absolutely. I, I actually did a study. Uh, over 5,000 people responded to it. And I asked them, what today is the most important characteristic that you value most in your manager? Now, it wasn't being a subject matter expert. It wasn't being a critical thinker. It wasn't being strategic. It wasn't, you know, uh, being an inspiration. It was care mm -hmm. and love. <gasps> Uh-oh, we use that L word in business. I don't mean love and interpersonal or marital affairs. I'm talking about love. Look at the definition. Caring, an authentic connection you have with people. Why is that word so taboo today? I mean, come on, the world's upside down. Rules are changing. We say we love our job. We say we love our customers. We say we love our company and boss. We use the word every day. Now we need to make it more impactful and bring it into the culture, a culture of caring. People are so disengaged. Fear is dominating our workforce now. People feel they're more alone now than they ever have been before. And I am here to say you are not alone. And if you feel that way, if you're a manager, it's up to you to reach out to your manager and your direct reports. And if you're a direct reporter or a salesperson, it's up to you to reach out to your peers and your manager and say, hey, this is what I need right now. 
because if you're waiting too long for your leader to come to you and notice what you need, you may be waiting your entire career because it's very difficult for leaders to see what other people need when they don't get it themselves. I love that. And also, again, bringing it back to all those emotional intelligence traits and key things. When we see our sales team, our individuals, that they are actually in, in a lower performing state and not feeling too well about it and, and are struggling, how should we as a leader help them to stay confident and engaged? How do we maintain our confidence and build them up again to mm. be motivated and keep on running? Ah. Ah, so maybe the eternal sales slump, which many uh, salespeople uh, are, are in these days. And it's interesting. Um, confidence is a construct. Confidence is a human construct. We've been lied to our entire lives about what confidence is, what it means, and how we create it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to share with you, and this is another statistic, you know, I'm not making this stuff up. Um, CEO confidence is at an all-time low, and it's continued to drop in 2020 into 2021. Now, why do you think that is? Because when times are good, we all feel great. If I'm hitting my numbers, I'm confident. Woohoo! that's great. My salespeople, if I'm a manager, I'm happy. We're hitting our numbers. Life is good. But we don't get challenged on our good days. We get challenged on our, on our tough days. So I'm going to share with you a different paradigm so that you can develop the unconditional confidence of a champion. I'm going to share it with you right now. The, the current model we all believe in confidence is, well, what would make your confidence go up? Results. Okay. What would make your confidence drop? Not getting the results. If I sell, if I achieve my objectives, if I, if I, if I deliver value, if I honor my goals, my confidence is at an all time high. But if those things start eroding, so does my level of confidence. What we as human beings have done is we have made confidence conditional. What if confidence was unconditional? We are making confidence conditional based on external forces at work. If I get this or achieve this, then I will be confident. Then I will be happy. It doesn't work that way. One of my favorite quotes by an Arabic philosopher, Hafez, uh, he said, I am happy before I have a reason. I am happy before I have a reason. So now let's transcend that to confidence. I am confident because I'm confident. I am confident because I choose to be confident because I have proven myself and my worth as a human being without the evidence to support it. See, if you keep chasing the result and, and you're aligning that with your confidence, you're always going to be surrendering your confidence and your, and your personal power to outside forces. It is up to you to make a choice to make it conditional where results are not a reflection of your self-worth. And I'm not saying results are important. And I'm not saying hitting goals are important. After all, it's one of the reasons why we're here. So you can learn how to do that. But that inner game, it you know, beliefs always will precede our experiences. Great. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's a really, really important story also to understand where the value of confidence is coming from and how to shape it yourself. 
that it's really in your own hands. Wonderful. Keith, I really want to be cautious of time, of your valuable time you're having with us today. So before I go into the final question of how the people can connect with you, one thing in your book, The Sales Leadership, you outlined the toxic tactics. I think it's about 15 you mentioned mm -hmm. there. What makes coaching ineffective? If we take it now into the state we are with uncertainty, working remotely, having to deal with changes basically every second, because what was, was, what was valid now doesn't really mean it's valid in the next five minutes. What's the one thing or the one mistake you think managers should not make mm. and should avoid? Stop, stop closing your people rather than coach them. Stop managing and coaching in your own image. Stop making assumptions about what you think you know about your people and what you think your people know. I'd probably say those are three things we could talk about three hours on. Um, coaching in your own image, be really careful. I'm a very direct person. If you were my manager, I would hope you would come to me and say, Keith, this is where you're messing up. This is what you need to do, so go do it. And if I was the recipient of that message, I will say, thank you, boss, I'm out. You do that to some people, you will literally make them cry. We say, but, but that's how I like to be managed. It doesn't matter how you like to be managed. We can't manage in our own image. We can't coach in our own image. We need to take the time to tap into people's individuality by asking questions such as, what motivates you? How do you like to be managed? How can I hold you accountable and be your accountability partner in a way that would sound supportive and not negative? They make up the rules. They will tell us how they want to be managed, motivated, held accountable, and supported. So be careful of that. The other thing I want to make sure I share with everyone, and this is a solid takeaway that every leader, quite frankly, every salesperson can do right now when you go out coaching. I'm going to share with you right now the billion-dollar coaching strategy. Here it is. 60 second coaching strategy. Okay. It encapsulates everything in my leads framework. So let's set the stage. I'll be able to deliver this to you in about 60 seconds. You're my direct report. You come to me. As usual, you're looking for help. Oh, gee, I wonder why they're always looking for help. I wonder who trained them how to do that. that. That was us, right? So they're coming to us and they're looking for help. And uh, they say, hey, boss, listen, I'm working on this big deal. I'm trying to cross it over the finish line. It's kind of stuck in procurement. What should I do? Okay. Now, of course, in the manager, they would tout their infinite wisdom, probably jump in and say, hey, you know what? Let me take, let me take lead on this. I'll take care of it. And of course, we become, you know, the chief problem solver again. Instead, respond with this. And, you know, this is that part where people say, I don't have time to coach. If you have time to give an answer, you have time to ask this question. And here it is. Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Salesperson, you know, thanks for coming to me. And I'm happy to share with you my opinion. However, you're, you're much closer to this situation than I am. And I trust you and I trust your judgment. So what's your opinion on how to handle this, move forward, achieve the results you want? That take, I think, Britta, what, 30 second? 30 yes. second coaching strategy. And, and at that point, you've asked their opinion. They can't say, I don't know. They can't say, I don't have a strategy. You're not asking for a solution. You're asking for an opinion, the language of leadership. Everyone has an opinion. They can't say, I do not know my opinion. Now you might be saying, Keith, they're going to answer me and they might give me a great solution and they go act on it. But what happens if the solution is half-baked or not baked at all? I got you covered. Here's your follow-up. Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Salesperson, thanks so much for sharing your ideas. 
how about we go through your plan together, uh, see what we can do to refine it, make it as impactful as we can so that you can achieve the results you want. So you're not saying, are you kidding me? How long have you been selling? You're now, because I'll never want to be coached by you again. You're now having a conversation of exploration. All right. And the final thing I want to share here is, um, and this goes back to when managers are using leading loaded questions like, don't you think it would be a good idea to call the customer and tell them uh, what our compelling case is? And of course, the salesperson sitting there saying, now I have the great idea what I need to do. No, no. You see, that's leading the witness. So here's the deal. Managers, you're either coaching your people or you're closing them. Mm -hmm. And let me be clear. There's no such thing as cloaching. I love that. A wonderful word to finish off our talk today, Keith. Thank you so much. How can uh, the people who have, watching, have been watching us uh, connect with you? Your website, Gosh. social media, yeah. anything? Sure. Yeah, I've, um, I've taken 2020 and 2021. I feel very blessed um, um, and fortunate to have lived uh, my life of passion and, and my, my purpose, which is making an impact. And uh, this is what I believe is my time to give back. So uh, I'm going to share with everyone, not just my website, KeithRosen.com or ProfitBuilders.com, but I want to share with you my personal email. It's KR at KeithRosen.com. I want to share with you my mobile number. 516-231-2774. Now you might be thinking, Keith, why in the world would you give your personal information out? No one does that. Well, what kind of coach would I be if I didn't take an unconditional stand for everyone on this planet? And I implore everyone to go out and reach out to me. Now it might take me a couple of days to get back to you, but I promise I will. That's my unconditional commitment to you because everyone does better when they have someone supporting them. And uh, you have my mobile. Don't be a stranger. Send me a text. You have my email. Make sure we're connected on LinkedIn. Okay. Make sure we're connected on Twitter. Uh, and uh, just to wrap up with one final thought, you know, when you look at any organization, people create the mindset. Mindset shapes our actions. Actions decide our success. And our success determines our culture. That's why in every organization, the primary objective is to make your people more valuable every day. So when managers, when you wake up in the morning, don't ask yourself, what do I need to do to achieve my business objectives today? That's the wrong question. I want you to ask yourself, what do I need to do to make my people more valuable today than they were yesterday? Wonderful, wonderful closing words. Thank you, Keith, for that. And oh, thank you. Thank you for joining me and sharing your insights and expertise and yeah, your valuable time spent with us. Thank you so much for that. Deeply my pleasure. Hope, hope we are contributing to our entire LinkedIn community and beyond. I'm sure we are. Thank you. Wishing everyone here success. Please have a safe, healthy, peaceful, and purposeful 2021. Take care, everyone. Thank you.